Amen. It's good to be covered. Amen. <laughs> oh, thank you, Father. Amen. All right, let's see here. Let me get us ready to go here. All right. Amen. All right. Let's um let's pray over Father's word. Lord, we come before your book, Father. Words that didn't originate in the heart and mind of a human being, Father, but words that came down from you. Words inspired by you, breathed by you to us. And Father, as we stand before your precious holy word, we recognize what a beautiful and precious gift that it is. And Father, we acknowledge tonight that every word in the 66 books of your Bible, Father, you've spoken to us with our best interest in mind. No hidden agenda. No, uh, no tricks. No bait and switch, Father. No false promises. No manipulation. Just the heart of a father for his children. And Lord, we're looking at some pretty amazing things here, Father. Things that are beyond what the religious mind is even interested in and going after, Father. But Lord, what the heart of your children, Lord, longs for, hungers for. And I thank you, Lord, for giving me utterance as I speak to these, your precious people. Thank you, Father, tonight for giving them ears to hear and hearts to understand and eyes to see clearly, Lord, what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 again. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. We're talking about really one thing, but we're talking about it in a few different ways. And that sometimes makes for you know, I don't say incohesive, but I, I like um, I like things that that flow and that you know line upon line. One thing leads to another, and linear, I guess. And, and sometimes with a subject as big as the one we're on right now, um, we're still trying to go as linear as we can possibly go. But but sometimes we have to go linear over here and linear over here and then linear over here and then start kind of working those parts and pieces together. So thank you um, for your faith. Thank you for your patience. And, and thank you for your continued uh, faithfulness to um, hear and apply these things um, to your life. Amen. Jesus told us in John, I know I've got you in Colossians 1, but remember Jesus told us in John 15 that His Father, by the way, His Father is our Father, right? So... When Jesus said, my father is glorified by much fruit, guess what? My father is glorified by much fruit also. Because remember when Jesus taught us to pray, he didn't say, you pray to my father. He said, pray after this manner, our father. Um, could simplify it this way. Jesus is dad and my dad's the same dad. Amen. And so my dad, my father in heaven, my Abba in heaven, um, he is glorified by much fruit. 
And we've said that fruit is outward evidence of an inward reality. Fruit is outward evidence of an inward reality. I heard Brother Hagin say one time that if you walk past an apple tree full of apples, you don't need a sign in front of it that says it's an apple tree because the sign's on the branches. So the apples on a tree are outward evidence of an inward reality. Now, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you have read and understand the context of Colossians 1 and 27, then you know that this is a really big deal. He is, in essence, saying that everything Jesus came to do in us, everything Jesus came to do for us, everything that he bought and paid for and made available, gave us access to, has culminated in this statement, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I've asked the Lord to kind of help me focus my thoughts tonight. It's because I got a bunch of them. Amen. I want to make sure that we say tonight what needs to be said and then say next week what needs to be said, so forth and so on, right? The glory of God in you is a new birth reality. It must be acknowledged to be realized. The glory of God in you is a new birth reality. I'm not making that up. We're seeing this in the scriptures, not just here in Colossians 1.27 either. The glory of God in you is a new birth reality. It must be acknowledged to be realized. One, one of the things that we, that we began with on last Wednesday, and I just want to touch on it again tonight, is that when it comes to this subject, there is so much misinformation. There, there, are, there are so many confusing, you know, stories out there, so to speak, um, concerning what this verse really means, what is the glory of God, what does it mean, the, the, the hope of glory because Christ is in us, all kinds of ideas, all kinds of takes on it, all kinds of ways to spin it. Remember what we said last week that, that um, a lot of people believe the hope of glory means the hope of heaven. They, they think glory and heaven are synonymous with one another. Nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, heaven's a glorious place, but that's not what he's talking about here. So when we talk about the glory of God in you as a new birth reality, meaning what? Meaning it's, it's a reality inwardly. Discipleship is about the inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. So when we say that the, the glory of God in you is a new birth reality and it must be acknowledged to be realized, remember the book of Philemon says that we got to acknowledge every good thing that's in us. There are all kinds of good things in you, all kinds of good things in me, good things that, 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 that didn't grow there, things that Father put there, amen, that's in us because of our new birth, because of the work that He did in us, things that go beyond our wildest imagination. There's power working in you according to the Scriptures, amen. 
But do you realize how many, let's just use that as an example. Do you realize how many people, the power of God, the Bible says that it's according to the power of God working in you. Do you realize how many people have failed to acknowledge the power of God in them, much less working in them? And because we haven't acknowledged it, because, um, you know, we, we don't even recognize it, we, we, we do not um, factor it into our life equation, we, we do not consider, we do not take into account. Remember what the scripture said in Romans 6, when he goes through this whole uh, explanation that we were buried with Christ and that we've been raised up together with him to newness of life. And then he tells you and me to reckon ourselves to have been raised with Christ. He uses that word reckon. What is he, what is he talking about? He's, he's saying acknowledge this. Con consider this. Don't live a single day of your life without taking into consideration that you've been raised up together with Jesus to newness of life. Now, Again, I've got a lot of things firing off in my heart and mind and all kinds of notes here. Let's, let's at least get this part nailed down, all right? When it comes to what it actually means for the glory of God to reside in a human being, there is only one place that we need to go to and look to understand what this really means. In other words, when God says Christ in you, the hope of glory, okay, you've got what religion will tell you about that, what denominations will tell you about this, so forth and so on. Again, he's talking about, you know, hoping you go to heaven one day. That's what a lot of people say, so forth and so on. If we, if we really want to know what this means, we have to look one place, and this is in the earthly life of Jesus. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? We, we see that every miracle Jesus performed on this earth was a manifestation of glory that had been given to him by his Father in heaven. Not the glory that belonged to him as the eternal, uncreated Son of God. When Jesus came to this earth as a human being, Philippians chapter 2 says he emptied himself of everything that made him God and took upon himself the form of a servant. He came to this earth as a human being. When Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself, he was not exaggerating. When he said, I can't do anything without my Father, he was not exaggerating. He was as dependent upon His Father as you and I are now dependent upon Him. Jesus could not heal anybody without His Father any more than you can heal anybody without His Father. Who wants to mean by healing? I'm talking about laying hands on somebody, praying for somebody. Now, in Romans 3, the Bible says that we've all sinned and that our sin caused us to fall short. Now, let's, let's just stop right there because I think you know how the, the verse ends, the Romans roadmap to salvation, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, sin caused us to fall short of a whole bunch of things. I'm, I, you know, the, the word sin 
um, in the Greek is the word hamartia. Simply defined, it means to miss the mark. Um, A more detailed definition of sin means to miss the full scope and true end of one's life. To miss the mark. Sin means to miss the mark. In other words, God, if if there's a mark to miss, then there's a mark to hit. If if, if there's a, a, a full scope and true end for your existence to miss, then there's a full scope and true end of your existence to, to hit, to, to actually uh, land on it, to hit, you know, pull it back bullseye, right? So if, if, if sin caused us, you know, by definition even, to, to miss the mark, to miss the full scope and true end of one's life, okay? So do you see how missing the full scope and true end is the same as coming up short? Are you seeing this? So, you know, let, let's, let's say, you know, we're, the target is 100 yards that way and we pull, we pull back the arrow and we, and we let it go and, and the arrow only flew 25 feet. We fell short. We, we didn't hit the mark. We missed the full scope. We missed the true end of one's life. Now, if you take this, this, this you know, critically important verse and, and, you, and you look at it for what, for what it is, you see what the full scope and true end of one's life according to God was meant to be. It it, it was glory. Remember, you were created for glory. You You were created by God and crowned with glory. When I say you, I'm talking about humankind. He crowned you with glory. This idea that the glory of God is not for us is 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 ridiculous. We we read your Bible. Amen. But now now watch this because I I really Holy Spirit's going to help me because I want to I want to try to communicate this to you the way he's communicating it to me, okay? There's a reason why the word glory is in that verse and I apologize for Again, it's a busy day. I didn't get slides made on all this, but you can understand here without slides. Okay. For all have sinned and fallen short of. There's, there's all kinds of things we could put in that blank, right? It caused us to fall short of right standing with God. It's, it caused us to fall short of fellowship with God. It caused us to, uh, to, to fall short of... Um, you know, living the life that God created us to live, you know, full of peace, full of joy. Um, how about this? God created us for, for blessing. He, I set before you this day blessing and cursing. Sin caused us to fall short of, of, of blessing, the blessing of God upon our lives. Again, there's all kinds of things, and, and all of that would be true. But when Father put it in the Word, that sin caused us to fall short, come up short, miss the full, the, 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 true, the, the full scope and true end of our lives, he put in there, at least from his perspective, what the full scope and true end of our life actually is. And it's his glory in us. Let me say it another way. If this is the ultimate mystery revealed then what sin ultimately caused us to fall short of and miss out on was the glory of God in our lives. Are you seeing this? Okay. So we said last week that because there's so many diverse opinions and so many things that um, Jesus used the expression 
um, things in people's hearts that his father did not plant. There are a lot of ideas and thoughts about all of this that God did not plant in people's hearts. And so if we're going to get this right and if we're going to see it clearly, we're, we're going to have to plant the truth, but we're also going to have to allow the truth to uproot in our hearts and remove from our hearts things that we've believed about this in the past that are not true, that are not accurate. Now, there's a couple of things that I hope we have time to get to tonight. And one of them has to do with our expectations. Our expectations. When he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, hope simply defined is expectation for good i prefer uh, this uh, bible definition of hope it's a confident expectation of some future good what if i was to tell you jesus never told you to hope and pray he told you to pray and believe and a lot of times we we substitute hope where faith should be. Now, Hebrews 11 tells us faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jesus, in the greatest lesson on faith ever taught in Mark chapter 11, he explained to us that faith believes we have received before there's any physical outward evidence of, of, of change or of, of, of receiving it. He said, if you believe you've already received, then you will have whatever it is that you ask. And so when we talk about hope, hope must have a basis. It's one thing to be expecting something. It's another thing for those expectations to have a foundation or a basis upon them. You say, well, man, you know, I'm just, I'm hoping that that turns out. Well, what is your hope based upon? Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? If there's no basis for hope, it's just wishful thinking. But if our, if our hope has a, 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 a basis, okay? Now, I'm trying to help you see this more clearly by using a different word here. And, and the different word instead of hope is, I'm just going to simply use the word expectations. Our, our hope is hope more than expectation? Uh, yes, it is, but if there's no expectation, there's no hope. You, you've got to have some expectation, okay? And so when we talk about now abides these three, faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is, is love, that word abide doesn't just mean remains or always be. Certainly it does mean these three remain and these three will always be. But that word remains has to do with those three things standing together alongside of and, and, and working together with the other three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, faith, hope, love. Are you, are you seeing how these things uh, work together? So, so the Bible says 
that faith is energized by love. And, and love meaning what? Things that you do, outward expressions of inward realities. Okay, we're, we're going somewhere with this. The Bible says in Romans 5 that the Holy Spirit now is in the born-again believer pouring out the love of God. Pouring out in you the love of God. That is what we would call a new birth reality. Meaning what? Meaning that you now have the wherewithal, not just to love, you now have the wherewithal to love other people as God has loved you. Because He is giving you the love that He loves you with to use in loving other people. Now, listen, I'm hoping this all kind of light bulbs will come on here. So when we love someone with the love of God, when we love someone the way God has loved us, guess what we've just done? We've had an inward reality of the new birth become an outward expression of life. Because the inward reality of the new birth is the love of God is in you. It's being poured out in you. King James says, shed abroad in your heart, right? Literally, he is in there pouring out the love of God. But you've got to acknowledge that. See, I hear people say all the time, oh, I can't forgive them. If you're a born-again believer, you can forgive them. Because God has given you the wherewithal to forgive them. He's given you the capacity and the ability to forgive them and to love them. And not only that, the Bible says the power that works in you is in you to both will and to do what it is that Father God has put you on this earth to do. He can... He can if, but see, now watch this though. You say, well, I, uh, not me, Pastor Mark. I, I must not be saved then if that's the case. But see, now, watch this now. What's the missing link? The missing link is expectation. What did you say? I can't forgive them. I could never forgive them for what they did to me. Okay, well, notice now. What are your expectations? You're expecting to never be able to forgive. Let me try to, let me, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. We'll come back and, and try to put a bow on some of this. All right, what? I know I keep saying this over and over and over again, but I want to say it so many times that it just echoes in your heart, okay? The inward reality of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life, okay? Expectation is the avenue, right? Are you seeing this? Expectation provides a way for the inward reality of the new birth to become an outward expression of life. Let, let me say it another way. No expectation means road closed. You ever tried to get somewhere and the, the road that you need to go from where you are to where you need to be is closed? Sometimes we head out of here on a Sunday and go through to get on the interstate and there's a train parked across Allison Bonnet down here. The road is blocked. And so if the road is blocked, you, you, you can't get through. You have to go around or wait or, or whatever. So expectation then becomes a means by which inward realities become outward expressions of life. What are, what are you expecting? What, what are you expecting? Now, I was raised by parents 
who had high expectations of me. Okay? I was expected to be polite. I was expected to show respect. I was expected to not only behave in school, but I was expected to do my work and to study and to bring home good grades. Now, you may think that this is, you know, um, whatever, cruel or mean or whatever, but, but in our home, we were rewarded for good grades and we were punished for bad ones. These were things that were expected of us. And notice now what my parents' expectations, what, what are their expectations doing? Their expectations are helping bring the inward potential that I have to learn and develop and grow as a human being from an inward reality to an outward expression of life. My parents' expectations placed a demand on my potential. Had they not placed those expectations on me, I would not have developed in the ways that I developed, not just as a student, but as a person. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? So when we talk about expectations and the role that those expectations play in inward realities becoming outward expressions of life, expectate, now listen, the expectation has to be reasonable. In the same way reasonable expectations can place a demand on the potential of a child and help develop that child and bring forth that child's potential so that the, the inward aptitude of that child becomes an outward expression of something they actually accomplish in life. Unreasonable expectations can become a, a burden too heavy for a child to bear and have an opposite or even detrimental effect. Are you following me? Let me come back to it. What are you expecting and why? I'm not asking you to shout it out to me. I'm, I'm, again, if you're taking notes, write that question down. What am I expecting and why am I expecting it? What are your expectations based upon? Can I tell you what, especially if, if you're, um, I know the world is changing times, accelerating. Um, I'm going I'm to do it this way. I'm going to say 30s. If you're in your 30s at least, okay? Probably, I'm, I'm way overshooting that. Probably if you're, if you're 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, you spent, let me say it this way, if you spent time in the workforce and, and that sort of thing, had enough life experience, more than likely, more than likely, 
your expectations are based upon your past experiences. Your expectations are based upon your past experiences. Are your expectations based upon the sum total of your successes and failures? Let me, let, me, let me take a, maybe I should ask this question first. Who determines what you expect? I know that in, 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 in all the, uh, the clutter of life and, and the way, you know, consequences from our choices and actions have, have influenced us and affected us, there are some who maybe initially think that that they have no control over what they expect. But my friend, that's, that's completely wrong. When you go back to the, to the big three, faith, hope, and love, you realize that God's given to every person the measure of faith. It's just some people do more with what they've been given than other people. Some people exercise their faith. Some people feed their faith more than other people. Some people develop their faith. Some people actually, you know, guess what? You've got to acknowledge that you have faith. (laughs) Acknowledge every good thing that's in you. God's dealt to every person the measure of faith. Just how many people walk around talking about, I can't believe, man, I I just don't believe that. I don't believe that. You're never going to believe this. You can't believe this. Quit confessing you can't believe. Quit confessing you don't believe. You've been given the measure of faith. God created you to believe. You're a believer. I'm a believer. We sing a song around here. It isn't hard to live by faith. It isn't hard to live. The devil tries to make it seem so hard, so difficult. So, But again, I'm trying to get you to see this. We all have the capacity. God gave every person the measure of faith. It's an inward reality. Now, whether or not your faith ever becomes an outward expression of life and actually changes and, and, and works and produces results in your life, again, That's up to you. Same is true with love. You can choose to love people or you can choose to ignore them. You you can choose to to, to be a faithful friend and show people the love of God or you can choose to just keep your mouth shut, your blinds pulled, your doors closed and don't even know the name of the person that lives next door to you. But we all have the capacity how many of you understand that you can get, you, you can practice loving other people and get better and better and better at it? You can become highly developed in faith and you can become highly developed in love. You can practice not being selfish by deliberately and intentionally putting other people's desires ahead of your own, by preferring other people. You, you, and guess what you're going to figure out? It's not nearly as, as painful as the devil tries to make you believe that it, that it is. As a matter of fact, you, you're going to tap into uh, some reward that can't be tapped into any other way. Can you practice loving other people and get good at it? Can you practice uh, showing people... Con- now, you, again, if you just go with the world, you're going to be just as negative and just as... as, as uh, indifferent at least as as everybody else but you can actually 
develop, you know, I know there's more to it than this, but Jesus talked about if you only speak to people who know you, if you only speak to people who speak back to you, if you're only good to people who are good to you, what do you do more than everybody else? You guys, you can, you can actually practice to the point that it becomes a, a godly habit of getting in an elevator and speaking to the people that are in there. Hey, how you doing? Have a nice day. Good to see you, ma'am. That's a nice blouse. It looks good on you. That's a good color on you. Wow, dude, where'd you get them shoes, man? I like those. Mom's doctor, uh, one of her doctors today, he, he, um, he came in. And he reminds me so much of Luke McClellan. It's hard for me to look at him um, and, and not think about, um, I'm not, it's like I want to say, dude, can I take a picture of you and put it on the screen at church so everybody can see how much you look like our, our associate pastor, son? And, um, and especially when he's wearing a mask because through his eyes, and, and he has that real kind, easygoing spirit like, like our Luke. And, and, um, and he's got that jet black hair like Luke, and his is about as long as Luke's. But, you know, Luke keeps his, like, combed and, and looking nice. And, and this particular doctor, he's got like one of those Hollywood styles, you know, like where the hair goes everywhere, but it looks good. If I showed up with a hair like a hairdo like that, my dad would like pull out a comb and start licking his ha hand trying to get my hair to lay down. You know? He had on his whole doctor's, you know, scrubs and all that stuff. And I'm not kidding you. With black velvet shoes, no socks. I mean, you would think like a plastic surgeon to the stars came to see my mom today, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, Doc, the shoes are awesome, man. I'm not sure how you're pulling it off without socks, but the shoes are awesome. Now, in the overall scheme of everything he dealt with that day, I don't know how significant a compliment on his shoes, but see, this is, see, I know, I know you because I know me, and I know people because I pay attention to people, right? He had to have thought as he was heading to his car, I probably ought to go put on some different shoes. <laughs> Come on now, am I right about this? Ah. See, no, I know him because I know, I know me. I know him. He tried it first with socks and the socks didn't look right. He didn't have the right color socks. Because see, if you just put on like black dress socks, then it's like, what's the point? It looks like you got on black boots, you know what I'm saying? It's, but the white, that didn't go either. And so he finally just said, you know what, I'm going without the socks. Okay. But somewhere between his bedroom and his car, he thought about changing them shoes. <laughs> I'll ask him next time. But I'm telling you, I know he did. But see, now I'm like, dude, the shoes, man. You're rocking it, Doc. I'm being What am I doing? I'm, I'm developing loving other people i'm trying to get good at it i want to be better at it i want people around me to feel loved you think people felt loved around jesus and you better know it he showed them love showed them compassion so do we all agree 
that we can develop in faith and become stronger and we can develop in love and become stronger, why do we think we can't develop in hope? We absolutely can. We, see, we've we got to pay attention to what we're expecting. Let, let, me, let me just give you, what are you expecting to happen tomorrow? Well, same old, same old. So in other words, your expectations for tomorrow are based upon today. You, are you seeing this? Some of you, maybe nobody in this room, but perhaps you know somebody that's got an upcoming court case. What are you expecting? I mean, I, just, I know what the, happened to me last time I was in the same situation. See, it, it, expectations. What? Expectations are an avenue for inward realities of the new birth to become an outward expression of life. Christ in you. What are, what, what, are, what are reasonable expectations for someone who has Christ in them? Are, are, you, are you seeing this, right? What, I'm not talking about unreasonable expectations. I'm talking about expectations based upon Christ in you, the, the confident expectation of glory. What do we expect when we pray for people? What, are, we, do we just, are, we just, are we just, you know, hey, I need some prayer. Okay, man, I'm praying for you. Pray, yes, you know. So many times we, when we say, I'm praying for you, hey, pray for me that, that everything will turn out all right. What we're really saying is, I'm hoping everything will turn out all right. Hope with me. Are, are you seeing this, right? But what we really mean is we're not even hoping at all, we're just wishing. Because hope has you know, a basis. There's a reason why. There's a reason why that we, that we have this expectation. So what are reasonable expectations for someone who has the power of God working in them? What should we be expecting? See, as long as we're expecting tomorrow what we had today, or here's one that we've really been on it for weeks and maybe years here at Heritage. Stand with me. We're finishing right here. Praise God. Here, here's the question, man, that the Lord just, oh, praise God. Are you expecting more than you can produce on your own? See, if we're just talking about you with no Jesus inside, if we're just talking about you with, no, with, none of the, with no glory of God inside, then, you know, I don't know what your expectation should be, okay? But we're not, that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about expectations based upon Christ in you. Confident expectation. All that He is, all that He has, and all that He can do. Now, I know I'm out of time and I know you're ready to go and it's, praise God, just stay with me real, real quick. And I know you're standing. <clears throat> to fully understand what this glory in us is and what it's in us to accomplish. You can't go to religion for those answers. 
You can't go to um, uh, you know denominational um, uh, talking points for those answers. You've got to go directly to the source. You've got to go to Jesus Himself if you want to know what the glory of God is in a human being and how and what it's supposed to produce in a human being. You've got to look at the example slash prototype that Father God put on this earth for us to look at and learn from. When Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding feast of Cana, the Bible says it was an unveiling, it was a releasing of, it was an outward manifestation of the inward reality of the glory of God that's in him. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love and for your wisdom. Thank you, Father, for helping us acknowledge. Lord, there's more to it than acknowledging it, but we've got to acknowledge it. Lord. We, we, we've got to start coming to terms with this in a good way, Father. We've got to start considering this. Lord, when, when, when someone is, is, is in need of you and help from you, Father, that, that we would recognize that, look, without you, we're nothing and can do nothing, but we're not without you. If, if, if it's just, you know, us on our own trying to do something, Father, then, um, you know, not much is going to get done. But, Lord, if it's, if it's you in us working through us, the inward reality of your glory becoming an outward expression of, of life in, in the particular situation at hand, then, Father, we should have very, very high expectations for a positive outcome. Thank you, Lord, for your word living in us. Thank you, Father, for your truth and grace living in us. And thank you, Father, for helping us embrace these things and go after these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Your love, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for, uh, I didn't even mention it, but we had a great turnout in discipleship class. And a lot of you, some of you were in there for that. Thank you. Good things coming. You be blessed. Have a great rest of your week.